Somebody shout hallelujah. Beloved, praise the Lord. You are welcome to the episode 8 of the season 6 of Biblical Furnaces. In episode 7, we address the creed that the church is holy. We alluded to the principle that corpus Christ is holy. That is our assertion. Our explanations in that episode 7 emphasize that the wrongdoings in the visible church do not invalidate the purity of the invisible church of Jesus Christ, not the church of a man. In this episode, episode 8, we turn to the third creed, which states that the church is Catholic. The word Catholic here means the church is universal. It does not have anything to do with the Roman Catholic Church. The term means the church is for all time and in all places. The term means the church is for all time and in all places. The big idea is that the church of Jesus Christ is not a parochial body. In other words, it is not a narrow entity that is found in a particular city or among only among a particular set of people in a particular town no that is not the church of jesus christ the church of jesus christ is universal means it is not bound by natural boundaries or borders instead the church of jesus christ is universal and it is found all across the planet earth in all continents among all people speaking all languages and worshiping him in their own ways that is the church of jesus christ before we go far let us read a bible passage for this episode and our anchor text is taken from galatians 3 galatians 3 verse 26 to 29 galatians 3 verse 26 to 29 and i read from verse 26 for you are all the children of god by faith in christ jesus first many of you as have been baptized into christ are put on christ there is neither jew nor greek there is neither bold nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading and hear of his word in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Our key verse for today's episode is verse 28 that I've just read. That stated clearly that we, when we are Children of God, children of Jesus Christ, by faith. Once we accept that fact, before God, there's neither Jew or Greek. There's neither born or free. There's neither male or female. We are one in Christ Jesus. Beloved, this key verse affirms the existence of the universal church because it says we are one. It affirms that the one church of Jesus Christ is not limited to a region or country or socioeconomic class, or age group, or ethnicity, or tribal gender. That's what that verse is saying. Beloved, believing in the universal church of Jesus is another way of stating the biblical teachings that all who turn from sin, both Jew and Gentiles, and put their faith in Jesus alone for salvation belong to the same fellowship. That is our key verse, Galatians 3, 28. Beloved, in reality, the universal nature of the church means that Christians can and should find commonality 
with other believers all over the world. Christians should be of like mind with other born-again Christians, wherever they reside. In effect, Christians should be of the same mind with each other all over the world. Our way of thinking and acting should transcend broadline relationships, should be above broadline relationships. Christians in Africa, for instance, Europe, Asia, Australia, and the Americas should be united in the gospel. There should not be any differences by the gospel. We are united to Jesus Christ, and by implication, we are fellowshipping with one another through our Lord Jesus Christ, not through a man or a woman or any other, any other thing or object. Now, there's a way that we become united to our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through our worship. It's through our worship. Beloved, our mode of worship affirms the universal nature of the church. Hebrews 12, 22-24, we shall read it shortly. Hebrews 12, 22-24 applies to all Christians from all times and places. Not just Christians today. It applies to Christians before us from generation to generation. According to the passage, according to Hebrews 12, 22-24, we enter the heavenly places during our worship with every believer, with every saint who believe in Christ Jesus. God is everywhere as we normally say, and he is not limited by space or time. He is not limited to a particular church or denomination. No, God is not limited. No man can restrict his restrict his awesome presence to a particular corner. No, 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 no man can do that. But when we enter a physical place of worship, a true church there is, spiritually speaking, we enter a place where God's people come together to worship and praise Him. That is a commonality. We enter a holy ground, as mentioned several times in episode 7, the previous episode. We enter a sacred space where the presence of God is manifest. As long as we are doing it genuinely, truthfully, with our holiness. So we have commonality with one another as believers, as Christians, as saints. Beloved, when we gather in a church to worship God, not to worship man, not to replace what God is doing, the miracles that God is doing through a man, and you replace God with that man. No. When we gather in a church to worship God, we enjoy what is called communion of the saints. We are together. We are thus joined together in a communion of the universal church through the union of Jesus Christ and his bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the bride. Ephesians 5, 23 we can read it at home, says this much. He says clearly that Christ is the head of the church and the savior of the body, of the body of Christ. Therefore, we have to be subject to Christ, every one of us, regardless of wherever we come from. Beloved, everyone who belongs to the invisible church is a part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is our bridegroom. He's also in Christ Jesus. Such a person is also in Christ Jesus. And to us, where Christ is, so will be his church. So regardless of a name registered in the public domain, 
the church of Jesus Christ does not belong to a man. No apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher, or evangelist can own the church of Jesus Christ. I repeat again, regardless of the name registered in the public domain that we used to refer to a particular denomination, the, as long as it is the church of Jesus Christ, it's not the church of Satan or something, the church of Jesus Christ does not belong to a man. No apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, own the church of Jesus Christ. No. Not even when praise singers are misleading the innocent believers. So any idea contrary to this assertion is false and costly for those that believe it. Because the Lord, the, the Lord Almighty, we know, it's a jealous God. We know replace what he's doing with, with a man. No. He will not give what he's doing to a man. So, beloved, let us close. Let us alight two phronesis or practical wisdom for this episode. The fact that the church is Catholic and the church is universal, which I believe every one of us must know. It's critical that we know it. Let us recall Hebrews 12, 22-24. You recall that I mentioned that we read it. It says that, but you have come to Mount Zion, that the church of Jesus Christ, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and the innumerable, innumerable angels in first gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirit of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So, this passage speaks of the church and its universal nature. It affirms the creed that the church indeed is Catholic. The passage reminds us of what we do when we attend services in churches, like we would do tomorrow is a Sunday, for instance, as I'm recording this on a Saturday. When we attend church, we enter into a holy place. We enter every itself where Jesus Christ dwells. The universal nature of church transcends the notion of having parishes or assemblies all over the world or in all countries where only one tribe or ethnic group dominates the congregation or leadership. That is not a universal church, beloved. No, that is not a universal church. That is not what the Bible calls a universal church. That, that is very far from the definition of a universal church. A universal church it's in all places where everyone worships in the presence of God and our Lord Jesus Christ together. For example, a church full, I'm dealing with practical wisdom now, a church full of Nigerians or Kenyans or Ugandans or Ghanaians or Indians in every nation is not yet a universal church, beloved, it's not yet. It is a church on the path to fulfilling Galatians 3.28. And of course, a lot of work is required to be done to bring many people into that denomination so that indeed we can call it a universal church. Beloved, let us pray. Father, thank you for the episode of Citizens of Biblical Furnaces. Lord, make your church universal indeed in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless the effort of all your true sons. 
like our dad, our beloved daddy Gio, in order to make your church a universal church. Please help all churches on this journey, every church that I bank on this journey, Father, help them to succeed in the mighty name of Jesus. More importantly, gather with us whenever we are saved in your name, whenever we come to fellowship in your name, whenever we come to fellowship in your name, gather with us and confess your presence. In Jesus' most precious name. Beloved, if you enjoyed this episode, please like us on our various media platforms and also join us at the Redeemed Church of God Restoration House online or on site in Blue Forty, South Africa. We welcome comments from you. Please use all our platforms on Facebook as well as YouTube. Till we come to you in the next episode of Biblical Phonesis. May the Lord keep you safe and blessed. May He shower you with divine wisdom daily to succeed in the mighty name of Jesus.